Open your Bibles, please, to Romans chapter number 6. Romans chapter number 6. I want to begin our reading in verse 16 this morning. Romans 6 and verse number 16. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death, or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. After preaching last week about following Jesus, I spoke about the demands of discipleship as stated in Luke chapter 9 and verse 23. And I want to remind you this morning of something that evidently a lot of folks have forgotten. If if you are not serving Christ, you are not following Christ. If you're not serving Christ, you're not following Christ. And I'm forced to say that because too many students of the Bible never become servants. Too many of those who enjoy debating doctrines and even discussing various duties uh, just never become doers of the Word. When I was a pastor near Springfield, Missouri, it was our, our privilege and also our problem to have a great many Bible college students uh, attend our church. And and I mention that because uh, of a certain phrase that I heard over and over again. And, And this is it. God called me into full time service. Now I knew what they meant and I didn't make a issue of it, but, uh, Maybe I should have. You know, that phrase is generally used in regards to someone who's been called to preach, and that's what they meant. God called me to to preach or, you know, to be a pastor, a missionary, or a paid staff member uh, in a church. But the truth of the matter is all Christians are called into full-time service. Now, God doesn't call everybody to preach. God doesn't enable all preachers even to receive a livable salary from a church. And consequently, a lot of times pastors are forced to go out and to do other things in order to support their family. But he most certainly calls all Christians to serve him at all times. So God expects you to serve him whether you are a pastor or whether you are a plumber, whether you are a missionary or whether you are a merchant. God's plan is for you to serve him and disciples are on duty full time every day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, every week of the year. Now, while our duties might be different our purpose and our mission is always exactly the same now certainly we do different things you know we're we're 
sometimes we have to get out here, as I said. And, and in fact, uh, originally when I started pastoring, I had to work at a full-time job besides pastoring the church. I had to put bread on the table. And, uh, it, you know, it might be that God didn't call you to be the pastor of a church. Uh, but your vocation does not make you more or less important than anyone else. And I think it's good if we'll stop this business of trying to divide everything up into the sacred and the secular. I think it's better if we just look at all ground as though it is holy ground. And everything that we do, that we do unto the Lord. And, and we ought to commit ourselves and conduct ourselves as though we are the full-time servants of the Most High God. Because, listen to me, being anything less, doing anything else, is to miss your mission and fail in life. Now, that's basically the message. I could just close the Bible and, and dismiss the congregation, and that would be it, because that that's basically all I want you to know this morning if you think you're following Jesus without serving Jesus, you're mistaken. You've been called into the full-time ministry, regardless of what you're doing. You're doing. You are a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ there, whether it's in a factory, whether it's in an office, whether it's at school, whatever it is, you are a servant of the Lord. So we can stop right there, but I'm just afraid that uh, somebody might not really get the message. So uh, let's talk about it. I, I never was a fan of Bob Dylan, but uh, he was right when he sang a song that says, you've got to serve somebody. You've got to serve somebody. I, I, I have the words of the song here in, in my Bible case. In fact, if you've never read it, maybe, maybe you should. If I had more time, I would read it. But that's the crux of the, of the song. You, you've got to serve somebody. And whenever you turn in your Bible, you'll see quickly that there is no doubt about whom you should serve. Notice, he says in verse 18, this is our text, "...being then made free from sin." Ye became the servants of righteousness. Now, in the first part of, of this chapter, Paul has been talking about the remission of our sins. And then he begins to talk about our release from sin. He talks about the fact that we've been made free. We have been delivered from the bondage of sin. But now he's speaking about the responsibility to serve. And he's simply saying those that have been set free, those that have been delivered from their sins are now responsible to serve God. So in the first part of this, he's talking basically about our position, but now he's talking about our practice and he's telling us that our practice ought to be in harmony with our position. Because sadly, that's not always the case. A lot of times there is a conflict between what we say we believe and the way that we behave. And it should never be that way. What I believe and how I behave ought to be joined together. They ought to be one and the same. So let's talk about this business of being a servant unto righteousness, a servant of God. 
And four things I want you to think about this morning. The first has to do with the, with the meaning of servanthood. Uh, the Greek word translated here, servant, means a slave, literally. It's speaking about somebody that is in bondage, somebody that is in subjection. And, and, and remember, Paul said, you are not your own, you've been bought with a price. And he pictures our redemption as though that we were purchased out of the slave market of sin. Here we are in bondage to sin, and we can't break free. We can't escape on our own. And our Redeemer comes along, and He redeems us. He purchases us. Now we belong to Him. We're no longer free to do as we please. And we, we're certainly not bound to continue to serve our old master. He said, what know ye not? You're not your own. You're bought with a price. And therefore, we're to glorify God in our body and everything else. So our, our responsibility now, is, because we belong to Christ, is to become like Christ by behaving like Christ. Well, what, what did Jesus come for? He, he, well, he tells us, he said, I didn't come to be ministered to, but I came to minister and to give my life a ransom. And then he said, the disciple is not above his master nor the servant above his Lord. So to be like Christ, I've got to serve. Philippians chapter 2, in the first part of that, he talks about that very thing. He talks about the fact that, that Christ took upon himself a robe of flesh, that God came into this world. He made of himself of no reputation, but rather he came in the form of man and became a servant. And then he says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. In other words, we're to think like he thought. We're to do what he did. And he tells us very plainly that his mission in this world was that he might serve. So we're always on duty all of the time. We are responsible. If I spend my life any other way, then I've wasted my life. Now, there are a lot of things that are sinless, right? I mean, in and of themselves, things that, we, you know, there's no condemnation from the Bible in regards to those matters. They're sinless. We haven't violated any commandment uh, in, in the Bible because we do this or we do that. But if it's not a part of us fulfilling our responsibility in serving God, then it is absolutely a waste of time and we have failed in our life. So you can go out here and spend your life... Uh, uh, Looking for rocks, collecting butterflies. I did, I did that when I was a kid. Man, I had a big old piece of cardboard, and I had 40, 11 different butterflies on there pinned to that. I had a rock collection. Uh, I, I collected baseball cards. Man, I just had albums full of baseball cards and all of that. Now, there's absolutely no commandment in the Bible that says, Thou shalt not uh, collect rocks. But, but listen. Whatever it is, 
whenever whenever we become so obsessed with things in life that it diverts our attention away from us serving God, then that sinless thing becomes a sinful activity to us. Whatever it is makes no difference. Are you with me? We're still talking about the meaning of servanthood. We've got to get it in our mind that that servanthood is all about us obeying the Lord, following His directives, fulfilling His commands, simply doing what our Master tells us to do. That's what servanthood is all about. But there are misconceptions about it because a lot of times... People, when they think of servanthood, the first thing they think of is this is something that is repulsive. This, you know, this, this is the last thing I want to do is to get myself all wrapped up in religious stuff and going to church, you know, all of the time and reading my Bible every day because, you know, in their mind, this is going to distract me from doing what, uh, what I want to do. And uh, they bought into this idea that that success is measured by what we get instead of what we give. In other words, if we can get, you know, health, wealth, fame, and all of those things, then we're a success. If we don't, we're a failure. But Jesus taught that the greatest in the kingdom are who? Huh? The servants. Those who serve, they're the greatest in the kingdom. We should never be ashamed to think of ourselves as servants, and again, I want to emphasize that word is literally slave. We become, having been delivered from sin, we become a slave, as it were, unto the Lord. So this is our responsibility, to serve Him. But we need to consider the marks, I mean the evidence of it, because it's really easy. For us to pick up, you know, the lingo of Christians, I and mean, we got all this churchy stuff down so pat, we know how to dress, we know how to talk, we know how to act to where, you know, we, we give the impression that we're really a dedicated Christian, and the fact of the matter is, you know, there's no real evidence of it. So if we could sum it up, what is the real mark of a servant of the Lord? Well, Look in verse number 13 for just a moment. And notice Paul says, Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Now, look in verse number 16. Know ye not to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. The mark of servanthood is obedience. And we see that here in this word yield, where again and again he emphasizes that because you've been delivered from sin, you are to yield yourself unto God. That means to present yourself. It means to offer yourself as a sacrifice. It, it's implying that we release ourselves unto God. We put ourselves at His disposal and, and, and we become instruments of righteousness. He said, before you were instruments of unrighteousness, you were the servants or the slaves of that which was unrighteous, but now, now, 
you are to be servants of righteousness. And that little word yield is the key. It is the mark as to whether or not we are truly serving God. Because if we're not yielding ourselves to God, we're not serving God. We ought to do that without any hesitation. We ought to do that without any reservation. We ought to do it, you know, regardless of what the assignment is. Never declining any labor that He imposes upon us or never to question any trial that comes our way or never to seek any glory for ourselves. And that willingness to do that depends on two things, humility and love. And that's why the Bible tells us to be clothed with humility. And the Bible, to remember Jesus said, if a man love me, what? He will obey my commandments. There's no question about it. So it is a matter of whether or not we love God and whether or not we're willing to humble ourselves and accept the position of a, of a servant. We've got to get over this mindset that it's all about me getting rather than giving. But what in the world would motivate us to release ourselves to God, to give ourselves over to God, to present ourselves to God? What would motivate us to yield ourselves? So, in other words, that we're taking our hands off of our life and we're saying, Lord, it doesn't matter what you want me to do, where you want me to go. It doesn't matter. I just want to do your will. What would motivate us to do that? Well, there ought to be several things. For one thing, in doing that, it prevents sin and the dreadful consequences we just read a few moments ago about the fact the wages of sin. Notice verse 19. He said, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members service to uncleanness and, uh, cleanness and to iniquity, unto iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. Now get this. For when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. Here's the question. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. To do anything else other than serve God, to do anything else other than to obey God is for us to be caught up in the bondage of sin that leads to death. That ought to motivate you to, to yield yourself unto God. It, listen, if that doesn't, you need to think about the fact that it's only in serving God that, that a purpose in life is provided. Well, what are we living for? Why are we here? Uh, you know, to fulfill some wild dream like the folks in Chicago all of those years dreaming that their team's going to win the World Series. Well, they did. Now what? Where do we go from here? What, what are we living for? What is it all about? What makes life really worth living well, I'm telling you that the only thing that really makes it worth living is to know that we are here in order that we might be able to serve God. That, 
because everything else would be better in heaven. Paul said to depart and be with Christ would be far better. He said to die is gain. Don't you agree? No more arthritis or rheumatism or cancer or heart disease. None of that nonsense. That all be a thing of the past. That would all be over. So why are you here? What is the purpose in your existence? I'm telling you, your purpose is that you might glorify God through obedience to His Word. And if you're not doing that, then you're failing in life. Not only that, another motivation is the fact that it produces a clear conscience. Isn't it great whenever you know that you've crossed every T and dotted every I, your assignment is done, your work is over, and you go to bed at night and you put your head on the pillow knowing, I've done my best for the day. Now, that's a great feeling. But I'll tell you, it is a horrible feeling whenever you know that you have skipped your assignments, you've neglected your responsibility, you've mistreated others or abused others or taken advantage of others. And, and as I've often said, there's nobody on earth more miserable than a child of God out of the will of God. Now, you, you might think the unsaved people are the most miserable. No, not now. They will be someday, but not now. There are a lot of folks, you know, they're so hyped up on drugs, they... I don't know whether they're miserable or not. It's just uh, euphoric. Everything's, you know, happy, happy, happy. They're not the most miserable. I've got to tell you, before I was saved, I, I wasn't worth a plug nickel because I didn't care about anybody. I really didn't. I didn't care about anybody. I didn't care if I hurt anybody. It didn't make any difference if I took advantage of anybody. It made me no difference at all. So I could cheat you. I could steal from you. It wouldn't bother me. But boy, something happened when God saved me and the Holy Spirit come to live within me. And now if I just even talk the wrong way to my wife, I don't have any peace about it. The whole, listen. If you're a child of God, out of the will of God, the Spirit of God is not going to allow you to enjoy your life. You're going to be miserable. But boy, whenever we know that we have yielded ourselves to the Lord. I remember those few weeks before I surrendered to preach. And hey, I want to do whatever God wanted me to do. I just really wasn't sure what it is. And I just... I, I kept coming forward at the invitation. The preacher said, why are you coming this time? Why are you coming this time? What do you mean? Uh, and I'm sure all the people wondered, boy, 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 what is this guy? Up there he goes again. And I said, I don't know. I, I, and I didn't. I, I said, I, I just know I'm trying to do everything God wants me to do. And I, there's something missing. I just know there's something that God wants me to do. And so I'd pray. Well, it didn't take very long uh, that the Lord revealed to me exactly what he wanted me to do. And, uh, and I had a peace that I had never, ever known before. I think that's the only thing in the world that would have stopped me from playing AAA softball and semi-pro baseball to sell my bird dog. you got to be kidding. I ain't getting rid of my bird dog. I'm not giving up hunting and fishing and all of that stuff. No way. 
I can be good and religious and go to church and I'll even tithe and do all of that, but I'm keeping the bird dog. But boy, I'll tell you what, whenever, and boy, let me tell you, I am so far from perfect that it makes me miserable a lot of times. But whenever I know that I've done my best to yield myself to God and to do what is right, there's a peace that you can't find anywhere else. And not just that, but it also pays eternal dividends. That's why he said in 1 Corinthians 15, chapter 15, verse number 58, he talks about the fact, you know, that we're to the servants of the Lord and he reminds us there that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Isn't that great? Your labor in the Lord is not in vain. How are you spending your life? What are you doing with your talent? What are you doing with your time? How are you spending your life? If you're not spending it, as it were, on the Lord, you're wasting your life. That's why he says we're to be always abounding in the work of the Lord. Whenever... Whenever Colonel Jim uh, Irwin went to the moon and he returned back to the planet and all of a sudden he realized he was a celebrity and, and uh, wondering what in the world am I going to do with my life. This is what he said. When I returned to this planet, I realized I had become not a celebrity but a servant. And so I am here for the rest of my life to be a servant unto God, to share what I have experienced that others might come to know the purpose, the love, and the glory of God. Well, he got it right. Amen? That's exactly why we ought to to be here on this earth. Like Jim Elliott, the missionary, said, He is no fool to give that which he cannot keep, to gain that which he cannot keep lose and whenever you invest your life in serving God you're not losing you're gaining the problem is so many times you know we think about that well God didn't call me to preach God doesn't expect me to be a missionary I I never felt any urgings I've never felt any call from God to sell all my property and uh, you know, to go off to some foreign country or do anything like that. Well, listen, all of that might be true. But God has called every single one of us to serve Him, to love Him, to obey Him. And it makes no difference what you're doing in life. You see, it's, it's not, not, not whether or not you're working out here at a secular job uh, or whether you're on, on the staff in a church. That's not the important thing. The important thing is, are you doing the will of God for your life? You know, we talk so many times about, and we even pray it, don't we? You know, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you really mean that? Do you really mean it? Is that the way you feel about your life? That you want God's will to be done in your life here on earth, just like it is in heaven. You know, we sing a song that says, won't it be wonderful there? But do you know what we're going to be doing in heaven? Somebody said, and my daddy asked me one time, and he was, he was dead serious. Because he knew there's supposed to be water in heaven, and he wanted to know, son, do you think that we'll fish in heaven? 
A lot of people got the idea that we're just going to sit down with the river of life and dangle our feet in the water and sit there and whistle Dixie, you know, or whatever for a billion years. But the Bible says in Revelation 22, 3, His servants shall serve Him. In chapter 7, it says, Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve Him day and night. So that's what we're going to be doing in heaven. Now, how can we think that serving God in heaven is the greatest joy, the greatest delight possible, and then be reluctant to serve Him now? Oh, the most wonderful thing in all of the world is to be into heaven and, you know, just do the will of God and be able to serve Him. And I've often said, you know, to be able to serve Him without any any of the restrictions that we have here on earth. You know, the flesh, we never get tired anymore. We have a glorified body. There's no opposition because there's no enemies there. There's no misunderstandings there. Everything is perfect. And to do the one thing we enjoy above everything and do it for all of eternity, won't it be wonderful there? Yeah, it will. But it can be wonderful here if we will realize why we're here and yield ourselves to God as the servants of righteousness. You know, too many people think that in serving God, you know, if I serve God, I'm going to have to give up my freedom. Listen, it might surprise you, but you're not really free. Oh, I know we sing, He set me free. Well, yes, He set us free from the bondage of sin. That's right. But you're not free. It's not a matter of whether or not you will serve. It's a matter of who. It's like Bob Dylan wrote, you got to serve somebody. Then there's no middle ground, folks. Jesus said, He that is not with me is against me. You're either serving God or you're working against God. It might not be intentional, but that is exactly what's going on. That's the way that God's looking at it. You got to serve somebody, you're not free. I believe it was Charles Spurgeon or someone said, you know, I've heard a lot about free will. I've just never seen it. You know, we talk a lot about free will. We're free to do this and we're free to do that. You know what the Bible says about those that have never been saved? They're taken captive by the devil at his will. That's not what I think. It's not what I said. That's what the Bible says. If you're here and you've never been saved, you are in bondage to Satan. Now, you say, yeah, but I'm not a drunk. I've never taken drugs. I've never stole anything. I'm a good person. Look, the devil doesn't care whether you go to hell from a church pew or a bar stool. It makes him no difference. In fact, he can probably get you there easier from a church pew than a bar stool. Because the hardest people in all the world to reach are those that just have enough religion to deceive them into thinking that everything's all right. It's not all right. You've got to serve somebody. 
You're not free to do as you please because you're either going to serve the flesh, you're either going to be in bondage to Satan, or you're going to be a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the only question this morning is, who are you going to serve? And you've got to answer that. Whether you walk down this aisle or not, whether you say a word to me or anybody else, you've got to answer it. In fact, in reality, you are answering that question every day. And that's what Paul was getting at. He said, to whomever you yield yourself, whether you yield yourself to unrighteousness or to righteousness, you are the servant of that to which you are yielding yourself. That's the whole point of what he's saying here. You're not free to do as you please because one way or the other, you're going to be controlled. Somebody said, nobody's going to tell me what to do. I'm going to live my own life. You're a fool if you believe that. You're either going to serve the Lord or you're going to waste your life living in bondage to Satan and the flesh. Don't do that. Don't do that. It is not a loss of anything when you yield yourself to God and say, Lord, here am I. I don't care what you want me to do. I'll drive a bus. Just the other day, a dear pastor friend, this fellow was saved and surrendered to preach under my ministry. He's up in Indiana, pastoring the church now. And he sent out a, a, a notice that had a church bus to give away. Somebody asked, why are you giving it away? Because nobody will drive it. Nobody will drive it. Wow. Well, I wonder how many would drive it if it was sitting out here. You see, so many people, they don't mind, they don't mind serving God, or at least what they call serving God, if they can set the agenda, if they can do what they want. If they, you know, if they can get a title, if they can get an office, if they can get a salary, if they can be this or do that, they're all for it. You say, we need some folks that will work in the nursery. We need some folks that will be ushers. We need folks that will work in the sound room. We need folks. Listen, there is something for everybody to do if they're willing to do whatever God wants them to do. There is a place for you. There's no reason for any Christian to ever be without something to do. Amen? you got to serve somebody. I wonder who it'll be. Let's all stand. Father, how we thank you for the great deliverance that we experienced when Christ died on the cross and paid our sin debt and purchased us out of the slave market of sin. We're so thankful, Lord, that you delivered us from that bondage of sin. And we're so grateful for the wonderful privilege that we have of thinking of ourselves not only as your children but the servants of the Most High God. And help us to always be mindful of the fact that your dear Son dignified servanthood when He took upon Himself the form of a man and served others. 
God, help us to emulate His example. Help us to be as He was. Help us to have His mind by which our steps are directed and do those things we know to be well-pleasing in Your sight. And Heavenly Father, for that one, some man, woman, boy, or girl that's here today, they've never... They've never known the freedom of being set free from the bondage of sin. They've never trusted Christ as their Savior. Speak to their heart. May the Holy Spirit do a work right now in their heart and draw them to the cross at Calvary that they might be saved. For we beg it in Jesus' name. Amen. While we stand and sing together, if God's speaking to your heart, would you come just now? Just as I am without one plea. Aren't you glad you can come to Him just as you are? Thy blood thankful that again this week and every week of the year so far, God has added to the church in some way. Mark Dalgo, is that Dalgo? Uh, comes by promise of letter from the Pine Forest Baptist Church. So uh, by statement, because as I think most of you know, uh, that, that church has uh, ceased to exist and Brother Pollard has retired and so uh, so, what's the favor of the church? Who said that? Wesley or Fred. All right. Motion's been made and seconded. All in favor, let me know if that's lift the hand. All opposed, like sign. Let the record show the vote is unanimous, and we're so glad to have Mark uh, here that God put him within our fellowship, and you, you just pray for him that God will bless him and use him in a great way. Amen. Well, I think we ought to sing another verse, don't you, son? Let's do that. Let's sing one more verse. It might be somebody you thought, boy, if they'll just stop singing now, I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to get away. I got news for you. If God's working on your heart, He's going to follow you home. You're not going to get out of this as easy as you think you are. Amen. You might as well give up now. Let's sing. Just as I am, oh, With a lot of conflict, me, 
There might even be some doubt. appreciate each one of you being here this morning and we're so so very thankful for the Lord's blessings upon us again and adding Mark to our congregation and we're going to have Mark to come and stand right up here and as soon as uh, the benediction is over we want you to come by extend to him the right hand of Christian fellowship and and welcome him in in into Lakeway Baptist Church. Brother Woody Would you please word our prayer for us today? Regarding what? Kind of with regard to your service. My grandson, my oldest grandson, was down for several.